Hey Jeepers, this week we'll hear about one particularly heroic XJ Cherokee, we'll get an update about that Jeep that crashed into an F-18 last spring, and we'll hear a story about someone who got a big surprise from a junkyard Jeep park. We'll get a trail report from Tammy about her recent trip to Roush Creek, and she's got a product review for us as well. And we've got your weekly Nikki G fix. That's right, Tammy's talking seat covers. I'll be talking winter prep for your Jeep. Tony's trying to get a word in edgewise, and we'll all be talking about wheeling coming up on episode 252 of the Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. First week in G. Well, you guys know I like the occasional uh, feel-good story, and especially when there's a Jeep involved. And this is a Jeep hero story, and trust me, it's not what you guys are going to think. Now, in Colorado Springs here recently, some disgraceful human being decided to steal a woman's beloved Jeep Cherokee Sport while she was inflating her tires at a gas station. Now, I'm sure I can speak for just about every Jeep owner within the sound of my voice when I say if, any, if it was any one of us that had seen this happen, well, we'd likely have chased the guy down to inflict some good old-fashioned street justice. But the thief didn't get very far thanks to the heroic efforts of a selfless four-liter inline six. As if you needed any more convincing that the Jeep four-liter is the greatest motor ever to be packaged in the engine bay of an automobile, this motor of magnificent magnitude stepped in to save the day. It all started the other day after Caitlin Sarter left her keys in the passenger seat of her Cherokee Sport as she inflated the tires at her come-and-go gas station. As she knelt by the front passenger side tire, she heard the engine fire up, and then right in front of her, the Jeep takes off. That's when Caitlin ran after the XJ, grabbed onto its roof rack, and started banging on the window. After she was dragged several dozen feet while yelling at the driver to stop, Caitlin lost her grip, and she fell to the pavement. She was taken to the hospital and treated for minor road rash and a concussion. She's doing okay. Despite that turn of events being a horrific and likely painful experience for the girl, the real story is about how the Jeep stopped the thief's escape by intentionally blowing up its own motor. That's right. I said intentionally. <laughs> if you think for a second that our Jeeps don't have souls, then listen to this. According to Caitlin's boyfriend, the heroic Jeep engine seized itself, locking up the Jeep's rear wheels and sending the boxy Jeep skidding to a halt. Okay, so it Technically, uh, technically, the boyfriend said, all right, already I knew the motor was going to be going to blow up if it was driven too hard. So he probably had some inside information on all this. But trust me on this one. The Jeep engine timed its explosion more strategically than a laser guided smart bomb, because that's what four liter Jeep engines do. They're thoughtful beasts meant to be stay loyal to their rightful owners. Well, the Jeep sacrifice led officers to find the car ditched on the side of the road the following day, though the thief hasn't hasn't yet been found. Well, the XJ is Caitlin's only vehicle, which she uses to transport herself and her three kids. The owner of a nearby Jeep-only wrecking yard has heard the story, and he said he and the car parts store for which the boyfriend works for plan to help get a purring 4-liter uh, Jeep engine back into that Cherokee. And heck, if that doesn't work, all Caitlin needs is a couple hundred bucks, and she can probably snag a nice-running 4-liter from Craigslist, one that will undoubtedly provide many more years of reliable, low-end, torquey service as well. Not exactly the karma-filled, justice-laden, happy ending we we're all hoping for, I know, guys, but I have a sneaky suspicion that that thief's luck will, if not already has, run out someday. I just hope it's at the hands of another Jeep owner who has a hankering for a few minutes of street justice before the authorities arrive. Hey, Josh. 
Yeah. Maybe he'll steal one of the new Grand Cherokees and be crushed to death on a gate. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like Gary's this thing, folks. Well, that's a negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. You guys may remember last spring, a story about a high-speed car chase involving a Jeep which sped onto an Air Force base and struck an F-18, killing the driver and passenger almost immediately. The driver of the Jeep and his passenger had been speeding away from a CHP officer after being pulled over in Lemoore last March. While the latest reports coming out about all this give it an interesting twist. It appears as if there was a communications issue which led partially to the incident playing out the way that it did. The lack of communication between the Navy station and the California Highway Patrol both before and after the Jeep drove through the entry control point has been leaked. New Navy documents just released this week show that CHP dispatch tried calling the base three times, but the number was not in service. In fact, the building associated with the number has been completely demolished over 10 years earlier. Dispatchers finally reached an air operations duty officer around the same time the Jeep entered the base. By then, however, the fates of those involved were already sealed. The Navy just now needs to make certain that, well, contact numbers are updated and verified frequently with both law enforcement and EMS. Well, a Jeep owner gets a surprise from the junkyard of a lifetime. The redesigned 2018 Jeep Wrangler hasn't gone into production quite yet, but one person can already claim ownership, or at least could, partially. Posting on one of those other Jeep-related websites, username RedRockJK, the owner of a 2014 Wrangler, told a story of ordering a replacement hood from a junkyard near Chelsea, Michigan. When the hood came in and was installed, it turned out to be about two inches too long. The reason? Well, it, it was confirmed when the junkyard called Red Rock JK to retrieve the hood. The part had actually come from Fiat Chrysler and was supposed to have been destroyed, not sold. Why? Well, the hood's previous life was finding its home on a pre-production mule, which if you guys don't already know, are supposed to be destroyed after pre-production testing has concluded. Doesn't always happen that way, though. I guess you can file this one into the whoops folder. It's unsure, unsure whether or not Red Rock JK was able to finally keep the hood or if he was indeed forced to give it back. But if nothing else, he's got a hell of a story to tell around the campfire. Makes you wonder, though, why would Jeep need another two inches of engine bay anyways? Well, I'll let your imagination take care of the rest. And a big thanks uh, to all of you guys out there who help take care of us each and every week by submitting stories for This Week in Jeep. If you guys have a response to any one of our stories or you got something you think we should be reporting on, well, by all means, give us a call or drop us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. Hmm, Jeep hoods being flying out like hamburgers. They're not even keeping track of stuff. Well, you guys might have heard a story recently about um, a one Richard Rawlings from uh, Gas Monkey Garage who was able to get his hands on a pre-production uh, Dodge uh, Charger Challenger. It was one of those. Anyways, um, he had the whole thing, you know, kit and caboodle, running and driving the whole nine yards. Um, and I think that uh, Mopar Dodge had get, kind of given that to him for some <clears throat> testing purposes or whatever. Right. Uh, anyways, uh, he was able to keep it and it was on his lot. Somebody had spied it, wanted to buy it. And that's when he was forced to drive over it with a monster truck. Oh, so <laughs> they, Yikes. I guess we're able to, um, whether legally or illegally, uh, salvage a few uh, choice parts off of it before it was destroyed. Um, but, uh, per, per law or, um, Agreement. Uh, whatever it is, it had to be demolished. So, uh, it was made for some interesting TV nonetheless, but just goes to show that uh, those pre-production mules, those uh, those um, uh, vehicles that we see on uh, all that crazy camouflage on the road, they don't always end up in the junkyard the way they're supposed to. Isn't that just amazing that uh, a company is so big and has so much money that you can build a vehicle and then just trash it? Just oh, 
tear it up. This not not just cry. one, but you know, likely dozens. Yeah, I would imagine the engineers that work so hard on designing it and putting it uh, and the me- mechanics that put it together cry because that's you know a lot of work and a lot of hard work and the first right. thing. And I'd know? be like, hey, can I get a chip here? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. You know, I'm really surprised they don't hang on to those things that Chrysler themselves or Dodge themselves don't hang on to those oh, things. I'm and put sure it in, that they do. I'm, but I mean, I'm sure it, that there's a for, copy of prototypes or or you know uh, any of those you know pre-production uh, you know concepts or whatever. Stick it in a museum, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they have one of those special museums that none of us will ever get to see. Well, wouldn't it be nice to have all the the equipment to be able to make your own vehicle like that? Mm. That would be a lot of fun. No telling how many deaths would be involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, we want you guys to remember to uh, take our survey. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash survey. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. Hey, folks. I'm Clyde, and this is Tommy. From the Run House. You're listening to the Jeep Talk Show. Cheers. You've heard of Jeep Hair Don't Care, right? Well, I'm here talking with people who do. Care, that is. Welcome to Jeep Hair, we care. I am here with one of my favorite people on the planet, somebody I'm very proud to know and call family, my father-in-law, Pete Buttrick, a former maintenance sergeant on B-52s for the United States Air Force. Pete, what do you care about? Well, I care about the veterans in this country, particularly the disabled veterans. I'm a volunteer driver, and I take them from a clinic in Athens, Georgia, over to hospital appointments in Augusta, Georgia. We wait there for them till their appointments are over, and then we drive them back to Athens to their homes. That's really great. Hey, thanks for watching Jeep Hair We Care. Here's some more information. to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Oh, you are indeed, and the Jeep Talk Show is a proud member of the 4x4 Radio Network. If you want to know more about the 4x4 Radio Network, what it is and what it has to offer, just go to 4x4radionetwork.com. It's all one word. And learn more about the 4x4 Podcast, the Center Steer Podcast, and the Trail Chasers Podcast, all there in one stop, guys. Everything you need to get your rocks off... (laughs) no pun intended, with a little bit of 4x4 off-road radio. 4x4 Radio Network. We'll see you there. Absolutely. All right, guys. Hey, I got a call to action here. Um, you guys heard recently a little bit of bad news. Uh, one of our own, a team member, Ted McAfee. You guys know him as PA Jeep Freak. Well, he passed away here recently. And, of course, the uh, it is very sad. And, and he definitely left a very large hole behind. And, well, his family is definitely needing some help. Um, they are accepting donations to a, at a local bank, guys. The Bank of Landisburg with the uh, address of 5125 Spring Road, Shermansdale, Pennsylvania, 17090. Now, don't worry if you didn't catch that. We will, of course, have that address in the show notes of this episode so you guys can, uh, well, send your well wishes and your donations, rather, uh, to that address. Now, donations will help the family uh, with the loss of wages of Ted being gone. And, of course, um, they are very appreciative of all the monetary support that has already came in. Of course, all the help that they've already received and the countless amount of prayers and support 
that they are endlessly getting, guys. And please don't let that stop anytime soon. Uh, Ted was a vital part of the show. He was doing a lot behind the scenes, uh, helping us out with our social media presence uh, and our marketing and whatnot. Uh, and his presence is very much missed here on the show. I can only imagine what his family is going through. If you'd like to help them out, well, by all means, please consider helping them out with a financial donation, uh, sending that to the uh, Bank of Landisburg. Once again, address 5125 Spring Road, Shermansdale, Pennsylvania, 17090. Yep, and the name again is Ted Mac... Is it McAfee? McAfee, right? M-C- McA- McAfee? 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 Uh, M-C-A-F-E-E. And I, I would just mention, uh, Ted was really fun to work with, and he really took the, the job of a social media manager uh, seriously. He would... Uh, check with me and tell me he about the ideas he had about contacting people, uh, about uh, being on the show, and it was great to have somebody that was uh, so engaged in uh, doing the social media thing, not just uh, doing uh, the little comments here and there. So he was actively trying to do the things. He was out on uh, medical leave because he had injured his back, uh, and uh, so uh, while he was on medical leave, he passed away. And I, I'm telling you, this guy wasn't an old fart, uh, so. His uh, family really uh, was uh, depending on his salary. So uh, a young man, uh, very surprising, just came out of left field. We had no idea that uh, this was going to happen. And uh, so, yep, if you can, help the family out. And like Josh said, we'll have that uh, information in our show notes. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Hey, folks. So if you haven't already heard, this past weekend I was at the fourth annual Women's Wheeling event at Roush Creek in Pennsylvania. I was so excited because I was going to have someone ride with me shotgun. Um, that's kind of rare. Um, It's a fellow Jeep mom, Amanda. Some of you may remember her from two years ago when she rode with me during one of my instructional classes. So Saturday morning, bright and early, we got up and headed to the park. It was one of the first really cold days and it was raining. But you know what? That didn't damper anyone's spirits. There was so much excitement in the air. I got chills watching Jeep after Jeep after Jeep roll into the park and line up in their group. I was one of the volunteers to help guide a group. I was the tail gunner. And for those of you who don't know, a tail gunner is the last Jeep in the group, and they're there to make sure no one gets separated from the group and to communicate what's happening at the end of the group with the trail guide. So like I said, this was the fourth annual Women's Wheeling event. The creator of this event started it because she had a really bad first-time off-roading experience. She went out six years ago with a bunch of guys, and they didn't treat her right. Basically, the whole attitude of women should be in the kitchen, not on the trails, is what she got. So she created this four years ago, and that first year there were eight Jeeps. Then the second year there were 40, and that's when I started to go um, to the event. And last year there was 100 Jeeps, and this year there were over 200 Jeeps. And it was all women drivers. Mostly, most of them are driving their own Jeeps. Some were driving their husband's or boyfriend's Jeeps. And some even share their Jeep with their spouse. Yeah, (gasps) I know. That's just a little crazy. (laughs) Anyway, I was in group six. We had a bunch of great Jeepers. There were men. um, Yes, we allowed men to come with us. Um, There were men um, guiding us perfectly through the obstacles. They were so patient and supportive. Um, now, mind you, some of these women 
just sit in the passenger seat with their husbands or boyfriends. So this was their turn to drive, which they don't usually get a, a, a chance to. Anyway, every off-road trip, I've been fortunate enough to have awesome wheeling partners, all of them patient, kind, and very supportive. Um, so I've never had a bad experience. Um, the fall colors were amazing up in the mountains, and I love to roll down my windows and listen to my wheels rolling down the trail and the sounds of Mother Nature. Um, and we were really lucky to have the rain stop around lunchtime. Now, some of the things that I did, um, I was able to ride Trail 11 again. And if you remember, that's one of the Jeep Badge of Honor trails. I checked in on my app and I earned another badge. So now I'm crossing my fingers that I will finally get my Trail 11 badge. Um, that ride was a little different because the first time I did it, I was on a stock Jeep. This time I was lifted and it was a totally different experience. It certainly did not feel as... Um, Scary as the first time. I guess scary isn't really intense. Um, so anyway, the other thing that we did was called Pizza Rock. It's another obstacle we tackled. And there's a video of me um, doing this obstacle on YouTube. And the funny thing about this video is if you Google on YouTube Pizza Rock and watch everybody else's video of this same trail, you'll realize that we did the trail backwards. So instead of crawling up the rock, we crawled down the rock. Um, I learned a lot of new things on this trip. And as many of you know, I'm very cautious and careful wheeler because my Rubicon is my daily driver. And so after crawling down Pizza Rock so smoothly, I hit a bump in the road, so to speak. I was on some smaller rocks and I broke my Jeep. <gasps> I know it was bound to happen eventually. And there's actually video on YouTube of the actual moment. It's from inside my Jeep. So you can't really see um, the, how I broke it, but you can hear the anxiety in my voice on the video. It's pretty funny. Now I laugh at myself. Um, but when I heard the clunk and I felt the clunk, I instantly knew something wasn't right. I was able to get back up over the rock. Okay. But it was when I started to turn my wheels and maneuver through the trail that I knew something wasn't right. And so one of the guys got out and he came to look at my Jeep. At first, we really couldn't see the problem and I had to turn the wheel back and forth. Um, but then we realized, well, not we, or not me, but Chris, it was my steering stabilizer. So we ended up taking it off the Jeep until we could get off the trail to really analyze what the problem was. I was so freaked out about taking a part off my Jeep. I was worried about driving the three hours home as well, but who knew? Tony and Josh, did you know that you don't need your steering stabilizer to drive your Jeep? I did not know that. I did yeah. know that. <laughs> uh, <you laughs> and I'm lying. Probably, yeah, you guys probably knew that, but you know what? I didn't. Um, so then we stopped for lunch and we checked it out again. It turns out when I came down on the rock, it twisted up the bracket that attaches to the tie rod. So the whole steering stabilizer got pushed up and that prevented me from having a full range of steering. Now it was so awesome to have the support of the other Jeepers to help me fix the Jeep and they made me feel better that this really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and then a guy named Brian from New York, he's actually a manager of an advanced auto parts store, got out his tools and we used some of mine and started working on my Jeep and he showed me how to fix it. Um, we just have to, had to readjust and move the bracket back into place, hook the stabilizer up again. And we just used a few simple tools 
a BFH. Yeah. Um, there was a good. There was a good picture of the orange, uh, dead yeah. blow hammer. <laughs> yeah, and it had crescent wrench, and then an eighteen millimeter wrench. By the way, I don't. I did not have one at the time, but every Wrangler owner should get one of these. It's an eighteen millimeter wrench. They don't come with any set. You have to buy this one individually. So a few things I learned: you can drive without a steering stabilizer at Roush Creek. There's always someone there that can help you fix your Jeep. The Jeepers at Roush Creek are awesome. Don't forget to get an 18 millimeter wrench and put it in your Jeep. And I'm never going to let my guard down, no matter how easy the trail seems. You know, it was an incredible day with some wonderful women and very encouraging, supportive spotters. And Tuesday night, folks, on the Jeep Colin, Jeep Talk Colin show, that our question of the week is going to be what was your first damage? When did you first break your Jeep? And if you want to add anything else, I'd love to hear from you. You can go over to the jeeptalkforum.com. Did I write that right? Yeah. Jeeptalkforum.com, um, yeah. Jeeptalkforum is our new form that we created just for you. It isn't your typical form. There are no dumb questions, no flaming. We're not going to tell you to go to Google to find out more. Um, but we would love to hear from you. Um, later this week, I will be posting up um, how I broke my Jeep, and I would love for you to share your stories on how you broke your Jeep and call in Tuesday night. We'd love to hear from you. Yep, I think I, I, I better mention um, uh, I don't know a lot about Wranglers, but just vehicles in general. Uh, the 18 millimeter may be the right size for your 2015 uh, Jeep Wrangler, but it is not a guarantee that it's the same uh, size that's used in prior years or past years. So uh, anytime you're given advice, unless you know uh, specifically that it's used on multiple years, make sure you mention the year that you're using, uh, that the information is for. Uh, so the, the rest of you, and Tammy, you're going to find other things that are not in sets. Like, uh, for example, on the XJ, I think it is a 36 millimeter uh, socket that you need to break loose uh, the axle from the uh, wheel bearing assembly. Like if you're going to change the wheel bearing assembly on a, on an XJ, you got to uh -huh. you got to get this big honking socket. Uh, and uh, so there's going to be several little things like that that you're going to run across. And a little research on uh, uh, well XJTalk.com or, or Jeep Talk Forum or, or the myriad of other websites are out there uh, will allow you to find out what you're going to need and hopefully before you need it. Uh, so, uh, but you can always, you know, find those things running down to the, uh, auto parts place, but they're usually 50% more expensive than like going to Amazon and getting it. Where do you listen to the Jeep talk show? What do you talk about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep talk show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep talk show at? Get out of thank yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep talk show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep talk show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep talk show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? We'd like to know, so let us know. You know, you can call into the voicemail or our speak pipe or uh, really anywhere. Let us know where you listen to the Jeep Talk Show. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever have answers oh that's good because it's tech talk with jeep talk
Well, as uh, fall arrives, and we are definitely in the throes of it here, leaves are turning and everything else, well, we've got winter right around the corner. In fact, some areas of the country are already getting hit with snow. So I figured, well, might as well get this stuff out early so you guys can get protected sooner. We're talking about winterizing. And how to winterize your Jeep or even your daily driver. And it's just as important as buckling up, so here's some winterization tips to help keep you guys in gear all winter long. First and foremost, might be a good idea to flush the cooling system and replace the coolant. If you added water at all over the summer or it's been a couple of years, well, a good idea to flush the system and get into the right ratio of antifreeze in there to prevent your block from freezing over those cold winter nights. You also want to check your windshield wiper blades, guys. It's the best time of year to do it right now as the rainy season gets into gear. If your blades are worn or older than one year, well, make sure to replace them. It's just good safety. You want to replace your windshield washer, washer fluid as well. I'm not talking about, you know, just uh, topping it off, but hey, use the stuff with de-icer in it to cut through those frosty mornings. Trust me, it'll definitely save you some of that warm-up time. I also want to check your battery, guys. We've talked about this one. This is a very important one. We go uh, about it at length several times a year. Very cold temperatures can reduce a vehicle's battery power by up to 50%. No joke, guys. Have your battery serviced and, a load and low tested to check its ability to hold a charge. If the battery is more than four and a half years old, well, it might be a good idea to replace it. Also want to check your tire pressure, guys. As the temperature drops, your tires will likely lose a little bit of pressure as well. If you're at it, well, while you're at it, make sure there's uh, air in the spare as well. And that the all proper tire changing equipment is in the vehicle. You don't want to slide into a curb, lose a bead on the tire, and well, be stranded because you forgot to pack a tire iron. You definitely want to get the brakes checked as well, guys. Improperly working or worn brakes can cause all sorts of issues on winter roads. Have the pads, rotors, drums, and shoes inspected to make sure that they have plenty of life left. And hey, don't forget the fluid. Brake fluid is actually draws in moisture. That's right, it collects moisture. So if it's been several years, it might be time for a flush. And make sure your tires have plenty of thread, uh, tread, guys. This kind of goes without saying, but uh, worn tires on slick road, well, that equals a dangerous situation. If you are not sure about the condition of your tires, well, consult your local tire shop. You definitely want to keep your gas tank as full as possible. Running out of gas in freezing conditions, well, would not be good at all. So having a tank full of gas not only helps in the case of bad weather, but it also helps prevent moisture from freezing in the gas lines and keeps more weight over the rear axle. That will aid in traction. And uh, you definitely want to think about maybe getting a tune-up. If you haven't gone uh, a couple years, well, you might want to think about this. Last thing you want in the middle of a snow run or a snowstorm is to break down. Trust me. A little bit of money well spent. Last but not least, well, definitely want to pack a safety kit in an emergency situation or an off-the-road, on or off-the-road can arise at any time. So, like our friends at Warren Winches say, go prepared. Here are some suggested items to carry in your guys' rig as part of your emergency winter kit. A flashlight, flares, and a first aid kit. And those are three big ones you want to keep in your uh, in your rig all, all year long. Jumper cables and a tool kit and tire chains wouldn't hurt either. A blanket, warm clothes, and a warm hat and gloves might be a good idea as well. Paper towels in or a rag or dish towel for, you know, cleaning up small messes or wiping your hands. A bag of salt or kitty litter for added traction when a tire is stuck. And guys, we're not talking about a 50-pound bag here. All it'll take is it would be a few cups. Floor mats are also a good alternative for this, so if you're running without, might be a good excuse to go and buy a set. A snow brush, ice scraper, and a snow shovel might be good as well. Never know when you might get snowed in. Extra windshield washer fluid, extra food, and a bottle of water or two. And hey, Jeepers, let me know if you guys have a tech question or something that you think we should be adding to our winter uh, emergency uh, kit. Uh, or by all means, if you have any other tech questions, shoot us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com with the subject line, Tech Talk, and we'll answer it right here on the show. 
Cool beans. Oh, you know, I was thinking uh, when you were talking about the battery, um, I bet you somebody's thinking, well, I'll just put that thing on trickle charge and I'll keep the battery uh, uh, charged up. And I was just thinking about the recent issue I had with the AGM battery. That's and, right. And uh, expanding a little bit. Uh, so uh, any words of not wisdom? Only, well, not only that, Tony, uh, if you're running a lead acid battery, which I would have to say that probably more than 50% oh, of yeah. our listeners are running a lead acid battery, uh, they could throw charge on it all they want. If there is not enough electrolyte in that battery, well, they're not going to be doing much good at all. So this is where we're talking about servicing the battery, guys. We're talking about cleaning terminals and cables and all that stuff, inspecting all the cables, and, of course, making sure that the fluid inside of a lead-acid battery is topped up, to, uh, topped up to the bottom of the ports. And if you have a sealed battery that's still a lead-acid, make sure you check that status eye that's on top of the, or on side of the battery and check it against the color chart that should be either with the battery or available at the manufacturer's website. And that'll give you a good indication of whether or not the battery is due for service or replacement. And if nothing else, well, by all means, just pop into one of your local parts stores. Chances are they'll do a free battery test for you on the spot. And if you're using one of those uh, fancy uh, AGM-style batteries, make sure you get a charger that uh, has an AGM setting. And Good advice. And unlike me, make sure that you set it for AGM and not leave it on the other one. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> battery kind of puffs up a little bit when you do that. <laughs> At least I think that's what caused that issue. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? Darryl, I think you ought to keep that rig Darryl. at the mall. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a tank big old tires and a lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are getting to give me a beer. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> hey, folks, you know, you don't have to wait till Tuesday nights to talk to us. You can call us and leave a voicemail at our voicemail number, 530-675-4102. Or you can jump over to our website at jeettalkshow.com and leave us a message because we love hearing from you. Just click on the leave voicemail button. Hey, this is Tony. And I'm Tammy. And this is Josh. And you've reached our 24-7 voicemail line. You guys know what to do. So at the beep, leave your message. Now, I don't know who this one's from because I couldn't quite make out the name. Everybody take a, a good listen. Maybe we'll hear it. Hey, guys. Yeah, I just need to know you. I'm riding my Jeep. <laughs> See what I mean? I took my wife, me, like this first time. To my surprise, she was a excited. Wanted to have a little fun and Went through some water that was a little deeper than I probably should have, and had me some transmission problems. Uh, starting to have some slipping. I hit a, a flush as best as I could and a filter change, and she's still having the same problem. I'm carrying it to a shop to, uh, tomorrow to get a uh, quote. But I was wondering, I have a four-speed automatic and a parts XJ from a buddy's backyard, and uh, I'm in a TJ. How a uh, how difficult would it be to do a uh, four-speed swap into a TJ? TJ's a 99. I believe the XJ's a 91 or 92. Anyway, appreciate the help, guys. Keep up the good work. 
I misunderstood. When he said four-speed, when I was listening to it earlier, I thought he was talking manual transmission, and that's not the case. It's a four-speed uh, auto, which would be an that's AW4. AW, AW4, yeah. yeah. So chances are he's either got the AX5 or the AX15 um, uh, that's in the Jeep already as far as the manual transmission. Those are, those are the two most common ones that were found in the uh, in the Wranglers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the AX5 is a little bit more light-duty than the AX15. Both are aluminum housings. Both have a pretty decent first gear and both have a first um, or, a, or an overdrive on fifth gear. Now, the AX5, although some people do swap it out just to get a manual into their Jeep, I would not recommend as a as a swap. Now, he's not going to be going manual to manual or even auto to manual. He's going to be thinking about going manual to auto. Yeah. Now, there's several issues with this that he's going to have to look out for, one of which, needless to say, is going to be the spline count of the, uh, of the oh, uh, transfer yeah. case and that transmission. Uh, there's going to be a mismatch there. I'm pretty sure that he's going to he's going to be fighting. Um, not to mention driveline length and uh, and output shaft length. Um, so there's going to be some bell housing conversions going to have to go on. Uh, there's definitely a lot of stuff that may very well likely not match up. And then he's still going to have to pull the um, the uh, transmission control module out of that uh, out of that Cherokee. So uh, those AW4s um, run an external control module, and all that wiring is going to have to come out with it. So mm-hmm. geez, you're opening up Pandora's box here, um, just to maybe save yourself a few bucks. It's comes down to really a lot of what your time is going to be worth. Now, if you got a few buddies around, you got a shop with a lift, and and hey, that that transmission's already sitting on the side, and you've already talked to you know about addressing the concerns about drive lines and all that stuff because we've got transmissions and everything else here that are different lengths, so that's going to mean different drive lines. So, a, a lot of this is going to come down to just how much work are you willing to do, and how much is your time worth, and well. Is that quote that you're going to get from the tranny shop really that much out of the question? So good luck, man. That That's definitely, um, once you get into tranny work, unless you really know what you're doing, it's always going to be expensive no matter what. So the the manuals, uh, the AX15, uh, what did you say the other one is? Uh, AX5. AX5. Yeah. Uh, they're not that expensive, are they? No. And in fact, you could probably find them in the junkyard. I mean, left and right. I mean, they were they were behind so many Jeeps for over a decade. I mean, you're going to be able to find a used AX-15 or used AX-5 on Craigslist right now in just about every city. So if nothing else, you'll be able to find them uh, in, in the junkyards. Uh, just doing your let your fingers do the walking. Give them a, you know, give a few a call. Should be able to find one relatively easily, and I would imagine that you'll be able to find one for under a couple hundred, bo- a couple hundred bucks, or yeah. less, if you go and pull it yourself. And and it'd be a lot less time involved in getting that thing uh, installed than it would be all the specialty uh, stuff you're going to have to do for the uh, AW4. And and doesn't the PCM talk to the the TCM? Well, it sounded like the AW4 donor vehicle is um, before uh, OBD2, so. Oh, okay. I think that's what he's. I couldn't remember the, yeah. the the year of the of the of the donor vehicle, but um, but yeah, if if he's ninety six or or later or ninety seven or later, then then yeah, he's he's gonna have some PCM issues as well. That because uh, the PCM's not gonna know about the uh, automatic transmission. You'd need a no, a PCM gonna, for an automatic. Yeah, he's gonna end up with a uh, with a you know a, an check engine light on on the dash all the time or something. Um, there may be a plug in on on the side for for that module or something. The way there might be a, some way to tie it in with the system. Uh, look, I don't know. This mm-hmm. is this is definitely beyond my pay grade. And we're talking about you know swapping um, basically incompatible transmissions um, that you know really weren't meant to to go back and forth. So. 
it's it's just one of those things where unless you have a really good reason and and the the quotes that you're getting for a full transmission replacement, which I really don't think that you're in the boat for, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is this is a project that's really I wouldn't really go down this road if I were you. So really re- rebuilding the the manual that you have or swapping in something like an AX15, a manual for a manual swap is going to be a lot easier. And going from a manual to an automatic. Yeah, bottom line, can you do it? Yes. Do you want to go through the time and the effort and the expense? There's probably a simpler way uh, and uh, a faster way and a cheaper way. So, But let us know what you do. Uh, yeah, definitely. Ex- especially if you do install the AW4. I'd like to know what happens with all that. <laughs> now, here's one we had last week. We had some technical issues with our voicemails last week. That's right. And uh, uh, this one got missed, which it turns out to be a good thing. Uh, because uh, this week, we'll, uh, the everybody will be able to hear it. Uh, last week, uh, Tammy and Josh couldn't hear the voicemails. No, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this one's uh, from uh, from Nate, uh, uh, YJ Nate. Uh, usually you see him in the chat room. And he's got a, uh, uh, I think it's a common take on uh, high lift jacks being exposed to the elements. Hey, guys, it's Nate. I'm just driving home and uh, listening to episode 250. I hear you guys talking about uh, Tammy and her high lift and uh, where she should mount it. Uh, I definitely agree that it should be secured, but uh, a pet peeve of mine, mounting a high lift jack exterior requires a lot of extra maintenance. Uh, the mechanism on that high lift jack is uh, its really easy to get mucked up with, uh, with rust or, or road grime or whatever, and uh, a high lift jack with a, with a malfunctioning mechanism is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, I always make sure to mount my high lift jacks inside uh, also i mean if you do mount it outside just make sure that you you keep track of that mechanism make sure that those pins move freely make sure they're not rusty make sure they're oiled well uh or get one of those little covers that cover up the whole mechanism so that they don't uh so the, the, the pins and whatnot don't get rusty um also the hood mounts that you guys are talking about um i've never driven a jeep with one but i've been in one and they really affect visibility i I, I didn't like it. Maybe it's because I'm kind of short and uh, I don't sit up really mm-hmm. high, but I think that anybody who's not especially tall, uh, that highlight jack is going to get in the way of your visibility both on the road and on the trail. So I just wanted to give you guys my, some, some two cents there about uh, highlight mounting and whatnot. Uh, I just uh, I really hate to see them mounted outside. Maybe it's just me. Maybe people have plenty of luck with them you know, mounted out in the elements, but especially in this area where it's, Road salt and grime and rust, and it's just method for disaster. So, all right, uh, keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I remember um, Detours, uh, uh, Mark at Detours told me, because uh, I was asking about mounting a high lift on the uh, the rear bumper uh, tire carrier that uh, he sold me. He says, uh, high lift jacks are dangerous uh, at best whenever they're new and kept on the inside. <laughs> you put them outside and they get rusty and uh, deteriorate they they get a lot more dangerous well they they can i mean uh, you know everything with you know proper maintenance and whatnot uh, here's a really quick question for you guys do anybody out there know what the wd stands for in wd-40 water displacement water displacement very good, very good. a little bit of wd-40 on your high lift uh jack a few times a year will go a long ways um a little bit of axle grease around those pins will also help um keep things I was going to ask about that. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, he really brought up, uh, Nate really brought up a good point. If you are mounting your high, jack, high lift jack outside the vehicle, uh, those neoprene covers really do save your gear, you save that gear uh, and make it last a, a lot longer. 
Um, if not, well, then regular slathering of grease is going to be in order, and you're just going to have to hope for the best. Now, of course, if you're buying a brand spanking new uh, high lift, uh, then it's just routine maintenance. And if you've got an old one, well, it might be worthwhile to um, refresh those gears and or that that um, mechanism. Uh, that mechanism. They do sell rebuild kits and give the oh, whole thing a fresh coat of paint. Trust me, guys, the paint will go a long way. Now, obviously, a lot of the mechanism you can't paint or don't want to, but a lot of those parts can be painted um, outside of the jack itself, reinstalled, and, well, hey, guess what? Now you don't have exposed metal that's there to rust. Now, some of it is supposed to be exposed because of clearances and whatnot, and that's where the lubrication comes in. So, guys, just use an ounce of common sense here. And what is the most common color of a high lift jack? Oh, damn you. Black. Black. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Reggie's Mine is black. Sexy. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you could mount it and just like take it off when, like for me, just to take it off when I'm doing my daily driving and just mount well, it when I go up to Here's the problem with that is if you get a flat tire yeah. while you're daily driving, well, it's, you know, you're going to want your high lift jack. It's nice well, to right have. Right now for- when I'm daily driving, I just break up my little triple A card. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness! Actually, because I don't carry it with me now, because I just I don't know. You hey, know, Nate did bring up a, another good point though about those uh, about those hood mounts. And look, I'm I'm six three, so I really don't have a hard time seeing over the roof, uh, over the hood line rather. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're not as tall as me, um, those those hood mounts for the high lift jacks, they put that high lift jack about four or five inches above the hood line. Yeah. And then you have, you know, the bulk of this big cast iron jack and everything else goes with it. So just think, you know, plus the mounting hardware and everything else, it does get in the way. It's not that big of a deal for those of us over six feet tall, but like Nate, uh, he's not that tall. So yeah, it's definitely going to be in the line of sight. So just keep that in mind, guys. Also too, people may mistake the high lift jack on your hood as a assault weapon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's happened. I know. Before you laugh and roll your eyes, guys, it has happened. Not not to either one of us, but uh, no, there has been some stories uh, that I've seen uh, flying around social media, uh, which, you know, you got to take with a grain of salt. But right. nonetheless, it's still yeah, funny. there are some people out there who have, you know, called in on people who have these. Oh, it's a big giant gun on its roof. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> All righty. Things on its roof rack. It's just a minute. You sure? <laughs> Hey, folks, um, don't forget to take our survey. There's a survey, you say? Yeah. Hey, and Micah, thank you for taking the survey. Anyway, jeeptalkshow.com slash survey. We just need a little bit of information so we can get some demographic information for our advertisers. And Tommy and Clyde, I am happy to announce Tommy and Clyde are the Paps Boys. They are going to be joining Tony and myself on November 15th. Write it down in your calendar in black marker. <laughs> November 15th on the Jeep Talk call-in show. You, they, you can call in and talk live to Tommy and Clyde direct from the roadhouse. I'm so now, excited. I'm putting that in my calendar right now because that'll be one of the few shows I'm actually going to call and bug you guys about. That will be, uh, <laughs> and there'll be no subtitles for Tommy. We're doing it, uh, no subtitles at all. It's uh, 8 p.m. on Tuesday nights. Uh, the date is November 15th. Now is the time for <laughs> something we look forward to each and every week, and that is hearing from the mind of Nikki G. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just want to 
responded to the caller called last week and uh, asked why anybody would change their rear drum brakes to discs. And uh, let me say, I speak for idiots everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to say, we want to change our drum brakes to discs because we know how to change disc pads. There you go. The complexity of drum brakes <laughs> frightens us. It's what our nightmares are made out of. And with that being said, I would like to say to everybody, it's election season, but running out to vote is what got us in this mess in the first place. <laughs> so everybody just stay home, don't vote. Or if you do feel the need to vote, just write in Nikki G. So this way I could add run for presidency to my resume. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat at you later. And you have a good one. Bye. So how many people on your first uh, drum break uh, uh, repair, you know, brake replacement, did you take off both sides? <laughs> not leave, not just work on one side at a time. Just take it off both sides and then go, oh, holy hell. How does this stuff go back together? Where does this go? <laughs> What's this spring for? <laughs> yeah, there, it's not that complex, but it is definitely more complex than disc brake. So excellent point there, Nikki G. Okay, folks, now it's time for the part of the show where we talk about products, and it's my product review segment. And on the JeepTalkForum.com um, is a thread called Jeep Mama's Product Review. And, folks, this thread is open to anyone who wants to post a review on a Jeep or an off-road product. And I have always thought about getting seat covers, but I'm just not sure I want to spend my money on seat covers. So it's always nice to hear other Jeepers' thoughts on the product. And Ben, L-A-V-N-Z, he's one of our listeners to the Jeep Talk Show. He posted this product review on his experience with the Cover King neoprene seat covers. And they're for his Wrangler JKU. He purchased them from Quadratech for $190, and that included the front and rear seat covers for the Wrangler. Um, and he bought black because he didn't want to risk color fading. But you know what, folks? If you want to purchase red, they might turn to pink for you. <laughs> um, anyway, he's owned them for four to five months. They were easy to install, and the material was comfortable. He didn't um, I haven't done the, the hot, sticky summer yet down under, so he's not sure how they'll be. The pros were they were childproof. However, they come in segments, so it's still possible for food like Cheerios and mm. Cheez-Its to get between the backrest and the seat. And he, I've done beat to completely childproof my car, but the buggers keep finding a way to get inside. <laughs> Uh, he said they were easy to clean, supposedly water resistance, but he has yet to test that. They were easy to install, and he mentioned above they come in sections. They tied down underneath the seats, so there are straps to consider. Well-priced and comfy. Now, his cons. For the JKU, there is no hole for the rear middle headrest. So he took... The headrest out, which means I have a projectile in the cargo area. <laughs> because of the stretchy nature of the cover, I think putting my own holes in will destroy the cover. Um, the other con is a sweaty back. Mm -hmm. This cover doesn't help disguise anything. The headrest kind of looks bulky. And he went with 
black on black. If you feel you go blue, red, or yellow, you might risk looking a little bit tacky. If these last him three to five years, he's definitely going to get them again. Anything less than three years will be disappointing. And if you want to see pictures, go over to the Jeep Talk forum and ask him to post up. Now, this was Ben L-A-V-N-Z, which I think he's from New Zealand. Uh, that was his right. um, review of the Cover King neoprene seat covers. Folks, if you have a product you would like to share, just go over, post it on the JeepTalkForum.com, and I may even read it on the Jeep Talk Show. So, Tammy, I'm curious. Um, why would you be thinking about seat covers for your fancy-smancy Rubicon embroidered uh, headrest? Yeah, I know. I'm, like, torn because I've seen some really cool purple seat covers. Mm. See, I it's, thought you were going to say that that would actually uh, keep the, the cloth and everything looking nice no, no, for no, the future. No, no. It's all about the, the accessory. The accents. You know, yeah, the accents. Yeah. Well, so oh, that's why. Are you going to put a purple uh, steering stabilizer on or are you going to be able to use the one you have? No, the, the, my old one is, is back on the Jeep um, except for the little plastic cover the boot thing. Yeah, we just, they said, you don't need this. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of uh, people say that uh, traps moisture and causes uh, more problems than it's worth. Yeah, somebody said it gets mud and dirt and mm -hmm. yuckies in it, so. Yeah. Well, cool. Okay. So, uh, interesting. Uh, that is a great thing to do. We'll just remind you guys about our survey one last time. Nope. The last time for this show. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash survey, fill out the information, and yes, we will eventually stop bitching about it. <laughs> Howdy, guys. Did I mention that survey to you? Uh, what, what survey is that, Tony? <laughs> yeah, I've crumbled mine up and used it for uh, Firestarter. Well, you know, uh, oh, I thought you were going to say toilet paper. Just be careful of paper cuts. <laughs> All right, Josh, tell us the, the sad news of your Well, the Jeep's broken still not running. Jeep. It's... It's going to be sitting for a little while, guys. Um, that Aww. is the sad news. The, the Jeep's not going to be running for, for a while. Look, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get it out this winter at all. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm still on the fence um, with whether or not I'm actually just going to buy a head or not. Um, I have already started sort of working on this replacement head that I have out on my workbench right now. I've worked on getting it degreased a little bit and cleaned up some. It was a donor head. It's been sitting in my garage on the floor for a couple of years. It came off of another garage floor that had been sitting on for a couple of years from a buddy of mine's house. So th this thing's been around for quite a long time. And well, the Jeep that it came off of probably was in a little bit of disservice because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of crust and and carbon buildup and, and that sort of um, junk all over this head. So it's got to get cleaned up before I can really do anything. Now, I've thought about just taking it up to a local machine shop. I've got one actually just right up the street from where I live, just a few minutes literally up the road, and having them hot tank it for me. And, and well, hey, if, they're gonna do the, if they can do the Magnaflux and all that sort of stuff, give me a good idea as to basically what sort of head I'm working with before I get too deep into the, um, the actual, you know, man hours of doing all the, the, uh, the porting and polishing and stuff. So, um, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm going. I haven't completely ruled out yet whether or not I'm just going to buy a reman head and be done with it. Uh, so it's, God, it's very attractive because that would mean I could get my Jeep back on the road sooner than later. But you know, 
I, I wouldn't have the satisfaction of you know doing some very in-depth um, performance upgrades. So well, you could always yeah. do that later. Uh, you've got two heads, um, so yeah. It, it's it's it, it certainly is an option, something that I can I can do over time. Um, just build this up and 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 you know, have it all done right and proper and whatnot. And really, after you've done it once, a head swap is not really that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, really, just getting the uh, the intake manifold off is is probably the the largest part of that. The head itself has only got what either twelve, sixteen bolts or something like I that. I think the hardest part is manhandling that thing in back into position and not dropping it on the gasket and yeah. damaging the gasket because it is so freaking heavy. I mean, when you don't have, you know, you have, you don't really have any place to stand to hold it. It's over 75 pounds. Is it? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot. Yeah. It, well, it's a, it's a gigantic chunk of metal. We're it talking is. about this long block inline mm-hmm. six cylinder that's got a large displacement. It's got a big head. So, you know, you. not unlike myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the, the, so yeah, it's, and I've got a bad back, guys. Uh, oh, so this is, this right. is something I'm really well, you not need looking a, forward to. You need a little uh, crane thing. Uh, no, you, I, and I, like I need, an engine ho- hoist would be, would work fine that, with that. No, too. I need some roadies. I need, I need that's some, true. I need some interns. <laughs> you need, you need some, you need some people. Interns? You need some people not drinking beer and eating pizza. Going, yeah, right. Yeah, you, you, is that <laughs> exactly. the proper torque pattern for that head? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, I've, I've, Josh, I've actually, I'm, um, I'm telling I've you, actually, I'm telling you, I think I spent 175 to have my head completely gone through at a shop. That was a three-angle uh, boiling it three out a three-angle valve, valve job. They checked the mm-hmm. springs, the the valves, everything. I think it was 175 beautiful absolutely pristine looking head didn't even want to put it on the jeep whenever i was done with it it was just so pretty yeah that that does sound uh very attractive and, and honestly it, it's something that every day every week goes by it, it's the direction i'm leaning towards more and more look i've got the spare head i can build it up the way that i want to in the meantime i've got this jeep that's not running and that's not doing me any good so oh you need to get out there and and don't you you have an event coming up in february right uh well the easter jeep safari uh whenever that is going to be so yeah late february march somewhere right around there oh that's um, right so you would definitely like to go in your own jeep i mean especially well, you're going to be trailered and out there was a there was talks about um there there's a there's a run out here there's a there's a road that's called lolo pass and it's closed every winter um but uh it opens up for off-road use because those who are brave um will tend to do this expedition run in the snow and it's this ridgeline you know, run across this valley um, that unless you are well equipped, you're not making it. And uh, and inevitably, every year there's vehicles that get stuck up there and people have to get rescued and all that other stuff. It was one thing that I was going to try and get out and do this year. Uh, and and if, if at all possible, I'm still going to try and do that. So yeah, look, it, at it's, the, look at the it, head. Look at getting the head redone. It, I think you'll be real happy with that. That and you know being able to keep the head that came with that motor on that Jeep is also something that's a little bit attractive to me. So although it really doesn't matter in the no, least bit no. at all, I know what you're saying. Uh, but it's it's just one of those things. You know, I'm, I've got that OCD thing going on. So no, I know what you're saying. It's nice. Uh, and besides that, if you can get that one back on there and running fine, then you have that other one that you can play around with, and then you can swap exactly. that out at your, at your leisure. Uh, I hope that's the direction you go. I'd like to see you out there going again because you really use your Jeep a lot. And uh, especially now that you have a backup vehicle, uh, you don't have to worry about it as, as much as uh, what Tammy and I do. Yeah. No, it, it is a little nice little peace of mind when, uh, you're, when your Jeep is just your toy and not your daily driver. Mm-hmm. Well, Tammy, speaking of toys, 
Yeah, at the um, Women's Wheel and Event, they had a big raffle. They had lots and lots of prizes. I was either hoping for a winch or Ooh, they had bushwhacker yeah. fender flares. I was like, oh, oh please, my. please. I know. They had some really, really good prizes. Um, and I meant to grab what I won, but I won a GPS unit. Oh, that's right. We saw Did that you on really? the, nice. we saw yeah. that on the Jeep Talk Call-In show, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I showed it on that. that. Um, it's a nice one, Josh. It's not yeah. pretty big. Yeah. I. It's in the drawer over here. I'd have to get up and move and that would be good so i could show it to you well tammy does it come with a mount are you going to try and find a mount specifically that is a jk mount that will uh put that in a place in your jeep that where, where you'd like it or is this going to go into another vehicle or is it oh no no sold, this would be or what are you going to do yeah, for for my jeep i'm going to have to open it up and i haven't even opened it yet oh my god uh, so well, I'm afraid of technology. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Says the podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'll end up getting lost. In the Jeep it, with probably. more bus. If they added one more Jeep to that, uh, to that, I'm sorry, one more button to that Jeep, it would gain uh, sentience. It would be alive. So all the electronics they have on that Rubicon. That was really cool. I think That I is nice. Yeah, I think I would have rather had the the fender flares though. Oh, you need metal ones. You're too active off road uh, to to have the uh, the bushcrackers. Uh, so, what, like, uh, why do people keep saying to get the metal ones? I don't understand why. Instead of the metal ones, don't uh, don't don't crack because they're not made of plastic. Look, there there's there's been a, a long okay. uh, a long standing reputation that some bushwhacker uh, plastic is a little bit brittle. And they've kind of got the reputation to be called bushcracker mm-hmm. uh, because if you bump up against too much bush or rock or, or whatever, right. they tend to flex a little bit more than they're supposed to and they crack or break mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. And although you can replace one relatively easily, no, for, you, you, know, have to pr- 40, you have to replace two. They only oh, sell them they in don't pairs. Sell them in, they don't sell them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. of course not. That could have changed, but a while back, because I was out talking to a bushwhacker guy, you buy them in pairs. You can buy the front, the front pair or the rear pair. Now there you go. So that that's why a lot of people may may tend to shy away from them. That's why a lot of people may be insisting on metal, especially if you're going to be around the rocks a lot or in tight trees a lot. Mm-hmm. Then you know it might be good to outfit your Jeep for you know the kind of gear that. Uh, is going to suit best for the kind of terrain that you're going to find yourself on the most. Now I'll the just, Sahara, well, they, she, when I had the Sahara, she had metal tight or vendors. Um, Interesting. But, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And the Rubicon and the sport have the plastic ones. Hmm. That seems strange. I wouldn't expect that on a, a Sahara. Well, there's it, all sorts it, of aftermarket that, that can make your Jeep look or perform any which way you, you like as far as the fender flares go, um, and you've probably got enough options to shake a stick at, so yeah. uh, it really is going to come down to looks and uh, budget. Yeah, budget is huge, because some of yeah. them are expensive. Yeah, that they are. Very expensive, very expensive. but very cool. Yeah. Well, t- uh, I think because of uh, Tammy uh, doing her um, diff cover, have you done that front diff cover yet, Tammy? No, I haven't had a time. It's okay. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I keep looking down there, and it's like sits so close to. Um, we'll take your other diff, the 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 tie rod. Yes, thank you. I, um, I had to stutter to think about it myself. Uh, but uh, just take your other uh, your new cover and uh, line it up uh, with the uh, the housing of the diff, and see you know if it's going to fit. Right. It probably will. Oh, I know it will fit. It's just going to be kind of awkward awkward to get it 
Um, and you'll be all right. In and out. Um, so, uh, but I think because you were messing with your diff cover, I've had a rough stuff, uh, Chrysler and a quarter diff cover, uh, laying around here for probably two years. And, uh, the reason why it's been sitting here was, well, it's on the rear. Uh, I got other things that I needed to do with, due to my Jeep before I took it off road and it's for the rear. I mean, how much damage are you going to do to a rear diff generally? Uh, I've got a, a rough stuff uh, diff cover on the the front diff, which is the one that's going to see the most the most likely damage. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I thought it'd be a good idea to have them front and back. Also, too, the the Chrysler eight and a quarters um, have that little rubber stopper for the the fill hole, and they have a tendency to leak. And I thought, you know, I mean, it's not a bunch of leak. You just have this oil stain uh, running down the, the 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 back of it. So anyway, I decided I was going to go ahead and uh, paint my diff cover and uh, get it put on the. Uh, uh, the bolts uh, that I think I need uh, for it uh, came in uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, I got a gallon of uh, Lucas oil diff cover. I'm sorry, diff uh, oil. I guess it's transmission and diff oil. I got the 75140. And uh, I did that because the the uh, royal purple is 20 stinking, oh, I'm sorry, $21 a quart. Screw that stuff's expensive. you. I am not yeah. spending 60 some odd dollars because it's like a 2.05 uh, quarts that I need yep. to go in there. And that's with the, the stock diff cover. Uh, I suspect this diff cover, I'll probably have to use more. So you have to I buy three 80. quarts. Yeah, no, I'm not doing it. So the Lucas Oil, uh, which I think, Josh, you were the one that said that, that you used that and hadn't had any problems. You run it for quite a while. Yeah, no, I'm uh, running Lucas in both diffs right now. Yeah, so I just got I went and got the w- w- I went with the synthetic because I think that's what you told me you were using, Josh, and uh, I got a gallon of it off of uh, Amazon, uh, JeepTalkShow.com/slash/Amazon, uh, and you can get it for I think it was forty one dollars for a gallon. So it works to be works out to be like eight seventy five uh, a quart, which to me still seems like a got off a lot of money, but it's not twenty one dollars. So. Anyway, uh, I was uh, I was hoping I was going to do that this afternoon, but the show was coming up, and uh, I didn't want to get involved in something that might uh, put me uh, late and greasy getting on the show. Although being greasy for the show might be a good look. <laughs> it would a little, you know. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, it's like one of those no, things. You you go, you say, hey, this is a thirty minute an hour job, if that, and then something happens. <laughs> oh, it's never, it's never that short. Yeah. So hopefully this weekend I'll uh, I'll be uh, slapping that uh, that diff on because I have everything. Uh, I guess the only problem will be is that the bolts are the wrong size. Uh, but uh, just to give you a little uh, heads up, the rough stuff eight and a, Chrysler eight and a quarter diff cover is uh, made of three eighths inch steel that is bent, mostly bent, welded inside and out for those places where they couldn't bend it, and it is attached to a one half inch steel ring. This thing is just com- huge beef. If when Wendy said, "Where's the beef?" it was at Rough Stuff. So uh, <laughs> I cannot talk uh, more uh, better about the Real Rough quick, Stuff. Real quick, Tony, are you going to be running a lube locker or just RTV? RTV. Good. You you probably knew that from my uh, my disdain about you guys talking about lube locker. Why do I want to spend twenty bucks for something to <laughs> to stick on there? This thing isn't going to bend. If it catches on a rock, it might break the diff off, but it ain't going to bend this this diff cover. <laughs> so josh i remember you telling me i don't know if it was on the show or on chat or something that you were going to have oregon trail off-road back in after their long uh, 30 day plus trek uh did you did you get anything done for that did you i mean 
Are we looking for somebody, to, a new co-host or anything, or did you get it done? I, I don't think they ever made it back. <laughs> I, I think there's a search team out there still looking for them. No, no. They they made it back uh, all, all in good time, and actually ahead of schedule a little bit, too. We had some really great adventure stories um, that were told. Uh, guys, I am really excited about this interview. Um, they're back. They're, the dust has settled. Uh, everybody's in one piece. All the vehicles made it back for the most part, and uh, and the guys are in good spirits. Um, it was an epic journey from what I understand, and the guys really went really deep in detail as to everything that happened and uh, and a lot of good stuff, guys, a lot of great stories. Can't wait to get into this. Can't wait to get this interview to you guys as well. So once again, the wrap-up interview with Oregon Trail Off-Road coming up here real soon, guys. It's already happened. I just have to get it edited and out to you guys. So look for that here coming up very soon. Well, I was liking those weekly updates they were giving us. So I'll, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what happened, especially after the event, because you know there's always something interesting or interesting that has happened. Absolutely. And and like I said, guys, some really cool stories. They get, they go really far and deep in depth with the story, all the details. If you wanted to know how the trip turned out and just exactly what happened, well, look for the upcoming bonus interview with the, uh, the bonus wrap-up interview with Oregon Trail Off-Road. We should be releasing it here in the next week or two. So nothing to add, Tammy? Check your mic, oh, I, Tammy. I, I cut her off like she <laughs> cut me off of the Colin show. <laughs> All righty, well, let's get over to some wheeling wear. Yeah, this is where we're going to talk about what events are coming up in your neighborhood and around the nation. Well, we've got, uh, well, the rockcrawler.org presenting the fourth annual turkey run. <laughs> there it is. Oh, the payoff. <laughs> it's happening on November 25th through the 27th at Wolf Caves Off-Road Park in Mason, Texas. If you'd like more information about this, we'll head over to rockcrawler.org. That's with a K, R-O-C-K-K-R-A-W-L-E-R.org. They're going to have wheeling from stock to extreme Friday through Sunday till 3 p.m. Saturday night. There's going to be a fish fry dinner with hush puppies and french fries. Mm. And they're going to have a raffle to follow as well. Fun and games for the whole family. Awards for the longest distance, worst carnage, best rig, balance contest, and a whole lot more. Sounds like a whole lot of fun, guys. Rockcrawler.org to find out about the upcoming turkey run. Uh, also, guys, SEMA starts next week. That's right. If we have anybody out there listening to this right now who's planning on going or is going to be a vendor there, by all means, drop us a line. Give us a call. Guys, we would love a report from the show. So, uh, hey, if you want to go yourself, well, October 31st through the 6th of November, Las Vegas, Nevada is where it's going down. SEMAshow.com is where you go for more information on that. Holy crap. Mason, Texas. You know, I've been in Texas all my life, but Texas is so big and there's so many towns I have never heard of it. It is a little bitty town, uh, about uh, looks like it's northwest of Fredericksburg, uh, also northwest of San Antonio. And, I'm going to guess a uh, three-hour drive for you, Tony. Um, no, I don't think it's that far. I, I, although the, those uh, those roads might not be uh, uh, high-speed roads, so it might take that long. But I think San Antonio is about two two hours, fifteen minutes. Uh, so there's from an here. old saying, uh, something referring to the old Mason-Dixon line. Would this be Mason, Texas? They're referring to? Oh no, that's that's up in <laughs> Georgia, I believe. I have no idea. No, I, the Mason geography Dixon was line not my here. strong suit, people. What was that, Tammy? It's up here. Oh, the Mason-Dixon line. I thought it was on uh, the Georgia border or something. No, no, no. It's maybe there's more than one. Oh no, <laughs> everybody's got know. one. Like, I'm the, googling the it. The movie comes out and everybody's got one. Yeah, right. All right now the well. show stops. Everybody's got to Google something <laughs> real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 right through Maryland. Um, 
Maryland and um, Virginia. Oh, okay. Hey, if you're watching us on YouTube, we want you to know that the Jeep Talk Show is also available in audio-only format. Great to listen to while commuting or while working on your Jeep. Subscribe via iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or iHeartRadio and never miss an episode. Speaking of subscribing, you can now subscribe with your money. Yes, you can contribute directly to the show via PayPal. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the little orange button that says subscribe. You can select $0.25 a week up to $1. Your account will be charged weekly. Cancel at any time. Uh, even if you don't subscribe, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to our show. And there is now a donation button. If you don't want to do the weekly subs- uh, subscription thing, you can donate at any time. Also using PayPal, just click that donate button. That's right, guys. And hey, speaking of subscriptions, you know it can take up to four days for you guys' podcast to show up on iTunes. That's right. So if all of you iTunes users out there, if you don't want to miss a single moment of the show, well, all you got to do is open up your iTunes account and hit that subscribe button. You'll never miss a single episode of the Jeep Talk Show or any one of our releases, including the bonus bonus podcast that we release. And of course, even the call-in show, guys, it's all there on your subscribe button. Just hit that subscribe button and never miss another show. The Mason-Dixon line is between Pennsylvania and Maryland. Anyway, um, folks, don't forget about our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Jeep Talk Show. And be sure to subscribe. Every 100 subscribers, we get a cookie. We haven't got a cookie yet. That means you guys aren't subscribing. You know what to do. Hey guys, join the Jeep Talk Show team. We are looking for volunteers to manage our vast social media presence on the web. We do need your help, guys. So you can be the Jeep Talk Show's social media voice. Send us an email. If you think you're qualified, you think you're willing to help out, send that email with your qualifications to info at jeeptalkshow.com to find out more. That's it for this week, guys. Wherever you are wheeling, if you pack it in, make sure you pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreation spots in as good, if not better condition than they were when we arrived. Remember to always tread lightly. Stay on designated trails and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. If you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails and public lands open for off-road use, head over to www.treadlightly.org. Hey, folks, and don't forget about my blog. It's www.jeepmama.com. And you can um, follow me on my Jeep journey. And there's lots of great pictures from my weekend wheeling that I did this past weekend. Go check it out right now, guys. Also, too, I want to remind you guys about our websites. We have uh, xjtalk.com. It's uh, primarily a Cherokee uh, forum. Uh, it's the same thing as uh, the, our other sites. There is no uh, uh, wrong questions. There's no flaming. Come over there. And uh, if you hate forums, you'll like this one. Uh, also, too, we've mentioned it a couple of times during the show tonight, jeeptalkforum.com. It is a, a companion uh, forum to this show. So you can go over there and get more information behind the stories in the show and ask questions that uh, maybe we didn't cover or correct us when we got things wrong. So you guys have a great Jeep week. We'll catch you next Tuesday, Jeep call-in, a Jeep Talk call-in show, uh, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Time. Walkers, crawlers, blood, guts, and all that is zombie. Have you seen the most recent uh, Walking Dead, Josh? No, I am behind. Okay, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask Tammy. I'm, um, yeah, I just we just watched it last night. I've been seeing a lot of uh, stuff online, so I think I know what happened. I, I know what happened too, yet? even though I, I even though I haven't seen it. Okay, um, good. Then I'll give you this joke because this. <laughs> I put now this, this is 
this is the just the first season opener show, right? Yeah, yeah, the one okay, where yeah. where batters up, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I made this <laughs> I made this tweet. Either it was a tweet or a Facebook, and I said uh, the only way Glenn's getting out of this one is if a dumpster falls from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, sir. And I Nicely had no <laughs> I had no idea. I'm just I'm just thinking of a joke, you know, about the dumpster that, <laughs> no, that you that and out. I discussed yeah. and said there was no conceivable way he could fit under that thing. And we were right. We were yeah, right, no, damn it. We, yeah. That no, clearly. That clearly. dumpster was on wheel chocks or something, but I mean not wheel chocks, but <laughs> some sort of stand li- or something. Had a lift kit on it is what it did. <laughs> lifted dumpster. Yeah, it was yeah. for him to fit under there. <laughs> Funny. It's a Jeep podcast, fellas. <laughs>